Welcome to episode 90. Can you believe it's episode 90? That's crazy. 90 episodes already of season two of the Search with Candor podcast. I am your host, Jack Chambers-Ward, and my guest for this week is the creator of the SEO Sprint and host of the SEO Sprint podcast, Adam Gent. Adam Gent and I are going to be talking all about an SEO product manager. What does being an SEO product manager mean? How can we take examples from product management and us as SEOs who don't necessarily work in-house and with product management, what are the skills we can learn from SEO PMs and all that good stuff? It's a really interesting conversation. Adam's a fantastic guy. I met him at Brighton, uh, just gone and the time before that. And uh, yeah, really, really interesting conversation coming up all about what we can learn from SEO product managers. Before we get to that, Let's talk about some Systrix because, of course, Systrix sponsors Search with Candor. Thank you so much, Systrix, for still sponsoring us all the way through 2023. And you can go to systrix.com slash SWC if you want some free tools. You can go and get a free trial of their premium service as well. You get free tri- you get free tools such as their SERP snippet generator, their Google Update Radar. And if you want to check your href langs, you can also do that as well. I literally did that on a client earlier today because we just updated some href langs and the Systrix tool came to the rescue. Let's talk about some Trendwatch, shall we? Because, oh boy, there's a lot to talk about in Trendwatch. The fantastic Nicole Scott, who's one of the data journalists over at Systrix, has got some very interesting topics for us to talk about. In Trendwatch, we've got things like iPhone 15. Yeah, cool, whatever. Not particularly interested in it. However, I am very interested in uh, turkey teeth. And I shared this one with my wife because this is a phrase that my wife uses. It is people who go and get their teeth, their natural teeth filed down and replaced with crowns or veneers or whatever. And you have these super white, like perfectly square teeth. Often the procedures are done in Turkey, hence the name turkey teeth. And it has shot up in popularity over the last couple of months in terms of search data and is definitely on a positive trend. People, uh, influencers and YouTubers and TikTokers and all this kind of stuff are going through this process. I know Katie Price very, very famously did this not too long ago and people saw the the pre-veneer uh, option, which was the sharp teeth. It terrified me, for the record. It's like shark teeth, it absolutely... Oh, freak me out. Very, very weird. And uh, yeah, it's a trend that is kind of happening in the cosmetic industry, especially the dental cosmetic industry. I know uh, a few dentists that listen to the show, so I'm sure you know all about this and are getting very frustrated with people jetting off to Turkey to go and get their teeth filed down and replaced with veneers. And yeah, it blows my mind. And speaking of TikTok, let's talk about Ice Spice, shall we? A 23-year-old rapper from the Bronx who is blown up, to put it lightly. She is very, very much engaged and community-driven, and I think that's a really cool thing to see with a lot of artists at the moment. As much as we talk about TikTok and and the, the upsides and the downsides, I really appreciate the opportunity for small artists to be highlighted on there and get viral themselves and then get, you know, get them get the money, get signed, all that kind of stuff. iSpice is famously <laughs> unapologetic in her lyrics, to put it bluntly. Uh, always like up to date on dance trends. I know I sound 
every bit of my 33 years old, I'm like, she's up to date on the old dance trends. But yeah, she went first viral a couple of years ago in 2021 through like dance challenges and stuff and has now released a bunch of singles that have done very, very well. Kind of in a similar niche to a lot of the other kind of like uh, young hip hop TikTok influencer kind of people. She also now collaborated with people like Taylor Swift and Nicki Minaj as well. So she has been taken very seriously in the industry. And it's nice to see kind of a out of nowhere kind of person just explode through TikTok and stuff like that. And yeah, iSpice is doing something a little bit different. I think is is very cool. She's gonna talk about stuff that other people don't talk about, to put it bluntly in her lyrics, and I appreciate that about an artist. Uh, we've also got topics on things like SpreadX, which is a betting thing I don't know much about, impost lockers, and a couple other bits I will talk about on the next episode. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Thank you so much to Systrix for supporting us. Go and check out Trendwatch. Go to systrix.com slash trends and you can get 10 brand new trends delivered to your inbox every single month. You can get the preview on systrix.com slash trends, but to get the full thing, you need to subscribe to the newsletter. So go to systrix.com slash trends and subscribe to the Trendwatch newsletter right there. And my guest for this week is an author of one of my favourite newsletters every single week, the one and only Adam Gent. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jack. Nice to be here. Big fan of the podcast. Thank you. Welcome back, by the way, because you featured on our Brighton yeah. SEO special for Halloween last year. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I, yeah. I, we, I, we I interviewed you. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got one of your yeah, horror stories from back in the day. <laughs> Yeah, am I? So, so you're, you're a returning guest, one of the very few returning guests. Am I? Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I mentioned, before we get into our topic for this week, I mentioned at the top of the show how much I enjoy your newsletter, The SEO Sprint. So why don't we start there with where where did you come up with the idea of The SEO Sprint and how could people find it? Sure. So The SEO Sprint is just www.theseosprint.com. Uh, it's a free newsletter that I send out every week. It's changed since it's been two years now. It's it's I've been grinding on it for a long time um, because well I'm not naturally a writer um, to say, but I've been really uh, kind of practicing and and trying to get the rhythm of of getting content out there that is short enough that helps people get the idea, but also practical. Um, so it's really interesting doing it because it's helped me really think through problems think through ideas but also better communicate to folks who aren't like in product engineering teams you know seos and that's the reason why i created it right because uh so i've been doing seo let's say over 10 years um and i <laughs> uh, i've um i've worked in agencies uh i've been senior consultant you know i used to think of myself before i went in-house as someone who was quite good at working with devs and technical. Uh, I then went to uh, DeepCorp, which is now called Lamar, um, and I somehow managed to get into the product team, mainly because I bothered Alec Bertram, uh, the head of product then, so much with questions that he was just like, just come and join. Because uh, they were looking for a product person who knew SEO, and yeah, apparently they thought that I could do it. So I joined the product team from the professional services team uh, which is just the 
was the, the, the deep crawls SEO consultancy side. Um, and I, over two years, worked with engineering, engineering teams, design teams day to day to build kind of features that solve problems for enterprise SEOs. Um, and I found out that I did not know how to work with devs. Um, it was hilariously <laughs> like, you know, the fell from a thousand feet analogy, you know, hit, hit solid ground and then had to like claw your way back up. That was me. Um, I was terrible at writing, you know, used to be terrible at writing tickets, uh, used to not know how to like break down an idea and propose it to devs. Uh, luckily I had amazing supportive team because the company itself was going through some changes to get things done in the back end so they were restructuring teams um and you know put me on product 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 teams have a have a great training budget by the way so i got put on you know amazing training um with some like world-class kind of product leaders um really shifted my mindset really intense you know you know like putting in the reps every week like sitting down with devs every week writing tickets planning uh moving things around trying to get things done sequencing things prioritizing coming up with strategies talking to customers uh it was a an intense but very um i found it a very enjoyable experience but after about two and a bit years uh i decided that you know i want to go you know i'm doing working in companies you know from um branded three to salt or agency uh to, to like deep crawl i wonder what it would like to go independent uh you know I wanted to just see because everyone talked about how freelancing was was so great. So I thought I'd go and do it. Um, but I, when I left, I had the idea of well, there isn't any information around how to how to work with developers really. When I left, I think there's more now. I don't know whether everyone everyone's had that idea at the same time. I don't know. But um, I was like, well, I want to try and provide some information that. Someone like me, who was, you know, extra professional thinking, yeah, I know what I'm doing, and then finding themselves in a situation where, oh, no, I really don't know what I'm doing. Please help me. Um, so I wanted to create that kind of resource for, for people who, you know, wanted to just get better at working with dev and engineering teams, deliver things, get things executed, um, and just, just taking those years of, I guess, wisdom um, and just try to apply some, like, Frameworks, mind, you know, mindsets, um, principles that you can read about, but unless you practice them, um, it isn't necessarily written down. Um, and I also was just really disappointed in a lot of SEO content back then about how to work with devs. It, we talked a lot about, you know, buying devs beer. Um, <laughs> I don't know where that come from, where that came from, but apparently just all you need to do is buy devs beer and buy them pizza and they'll do exactly what you want. Um, which I, I, I was like, I don't understand why you're saying these things. Um, and yeah, and I just, yeah. So it's just a combination of of situation, me being like, well, I've I've been trained up on you know how to help solve pain points. I'm seeing a pain point while I work with talk SEOs while I was a deep crawl. You know, went freelancer. I was like, well, I'll just I'll just try this newsletter thing and see see what it, see how it goes. Worst case scenario, I stop it. But I, you know, I gained so much knowledge on working on a new thing, new skill that I've never, I've never built before. And two years on, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears later, I'm, I'm, I'm still going. <laughs> uh, learned a lot along the way. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's something that I'm, I'm, 
deeply now passionate about um, SEO professionals working better with product and engineering teams. Uh, yeah. And also, you've expanded I rambled, out. I rambled. I know, absolutely. That, so. That's, that's <laughs> a, a detailed answer because you've got, you've done so much in the last couple of years. Like you've expanded now to a podcast and a course. I know you and I were on a workshop about community building with Arij, Abu Ali, and a couple of other guys a few weeks ago. That was a really cool experience. And you're now building a community of SEO PMs as well. So it's this multifaceted, multidimensional thing that is covering everything SEO PM. And that's kind of why we're here, right? We're going to talk about how to think like an SEO product manager and how that can benefit non-SEO product managers like myself, just working in not quote-unquote normal SEO, and how we can kind of adapt some of those thought structures and ideas and, and, and define what an SEO product manager is as well. So should That's we start exactly with that? Why the <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Let's start there. Let, let's start with what, what is an SEO is product it? manager? Because I've heard that term. I've seen, uh, obviously, I, I pretty much learned it from you, funnily enough, from the newsletter. Um, and I've seen kind of like articles on Church Engine Journal and a couple of other places. But I know you have a post on SEO Sprint that I think has the really like the, the def definition that sticks in my mind. So from your own words, Adam Gent, what is an SEO product manager? Sure. So an SEO PM is an SEO that works in the product engineering team that solves impactful problems and I'll do it in three ways. So they'll, um, shape the SEO strategy. So if you're an SEO PM, you will come up with an SEO, with an SEO strategy. We'll talk about that in a bit because it isn't the usual, you know, title tags, you know, creating blog posts, Excel sitemaps. It's different to what you, what most I think, think of strategy. Um, you will continuously sync with other teams. So part of being a PM, whether you're what is called a growth PM, a platform PM. So growth PMMs, it's kind of like an SEO PM. They grow the, the product, the website. So you drive more traffic to it. Platform PMs are like what I what was a deep crawl where I, I was building software, building features that people, you know, like with alsoas.com, right? You'll, you know, um, you will continuously sync with different stakeholders to, to get things done. So. You have to pull in the devs, you have to pull in the designers, you have to pull in the content, the marketing, the sales to understand what, you know, what scope of the, the requirements of, you know, what you need to do and making sure that you validate and understand the problem, thinking it through, and then just work with everyone to always use meetings and different, different processes to get the thing done, right? You cannot work, you cannot be a PM and not work with people basically and different teams across different organizations right you have a different team structures you have to you have to continuously sync with people and finally you have to ship so you will sit down and work with the dev team and sit within their delivery processes right so you will make sure that you know tickets are written you'll sit in the plat what is called you know sprint planning or planning and you'll make sure that when it is released it's following those kind of what we call like acceptance criteria in the tickets. So you will make sure that when it, you know, Hey, it's, we've finished a ticket, right? Sometimes in some organizations, you have a QA person, you know, more often than not, the SEO will check the ticket and make sure that it meets that pass fail criteria. A okay. Oh no, it's not. You've not done the thing. We need to sit <laughs> down and it happens and discuss why it hasn't been done, you know, and then it gets shipped and you will, you know, do the usual things like monitor it, make sure it's, you know, the feedback, you know, providing feedback that it's doing well, all, all the 
things we can discuss in strategy, but I think that's quite relevant to lots of non-SAPMs. But you will make sure that the things you are shipping, the features, the functionality in these websites actually drives value for the business, right? That's the other thing about PMs and SAPMs, right? They're very focused on validating and making sure that features that they they put they ship are actually solving either solving customer problems, driving results for the business. And that's basically that's basically what an SEO PM does. Nice. I think that's a really interesting thing because I feel like there has been a shift over the last again, I'm sure you'll know better than I am three, four, five years or so of this kind of kind of job arising where it feels like like you said the 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 inter team connection of it all seems to be the real key there for me. That's the big difference between working in a typical in-house or agency role. Like we have in in-house devs here, we have in-house designers here at Canda. I do work with them. I'm I've now shifted to a kind of like marketing kind of role within the company as well. So I'm I'm less on the agency like client time side of things. I'm kind of working a bit more uh interdimensionally if you want to, if I want to put it that way and make it sound far more exciting than it is. But yeah, I, I think you're totally right. That interconnectedness of the teams is the key for me. And I think that's something Ari just talked about before. It's something you've talked about before. You've talked with Ari on your podcast before as well. And the fact that you have this different power, essentially, to get stuff done, essentially, right? You, when you have, like you said, that you build up that relationship and that rapport and the understanding with the dev team rather than just hey, devs, fix the thing. And then there's no explanation of how or why or whatever, like, especially, you know, coming from agency work and dealing with developers who are also external to your client, there's like two, three different layers. There'll be account managers and then their account managers on their end of things, actually being able to get to know the developers and understand their strengths and weaknesses seems to be a key thing that I think a lot of SEOs would really benefit from just as a whole, whether you work as an SEO PM or you're working agency side or in-house, I think that's a huge key skill that I think a lot of people underestimate is that people skill side of it where you can get more stuff done. It's not just like how much you want to do the thing. It's actually how you can communicate that to other people, right? So, yeah. So this is something I noticed when I was in-house and I was a PM. I People talked to me differently. People reacted <laughs> to me differently. And I was like, I don't, like, as an SEO, who was, I mean, you'll know, like, you work with the client devs, and you send, you're like, you, you, you're trying to do everything you can, you're trying to, you know, reduce down the, the action list, you know, you're trying to sit in meetings with them on phone calls, you know, not, you know, video calls, but just literally a phone in the middle of a desk with, like, 10 people around, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And it's, and I've been there, like, I've, I've, I remember desperately trying to work with devs clients you know on the client side and it just never seemed to click do you know what i mean interestingly when i worked at branded three before i worked at deep Roll and at salt agency there was like candor in-house steps right and you could just get up and you could walk over to them and you could talk to them about something yeah sure no problem and you'd walk back right and it was and it was and that thing could be done um we actually i actually had a few clients pre-in-house that i could do that with with the Brighter 3 team because they looked after the, that, that dev team looked after a couple of websites. So it's actually, I was like, oh, this is so much easier when they can get up and talk to them. I understand them. And do you know what I mean? Um, and that, 
is something and then when you go in house on your you know in the product team you you have no choice but to understand them you have no choice but to listen and that's quite an important skill is that listening right that i think let's be honest i think seos are the greatest at because we talk a lot right i, I like <laughs> we 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 spend so much of our times that's times our time trying to communicate constantly why seo is important why doing all of these technical things is is key to driving traffic and driving revenue but uh what was fascinating in-house when i when I was a pm like i i had none of that seo stuff blocking me that makes sense like do you know what i mean like there's there's like people's opinions and your ability for you to distill pain points and turn them into solutions but also connected to a business reason but there's no seo things getting in the way it's just is this feature going to help solve this client pain point why do we need to build this solution why is this solution viable how have you validate that solution you know what i mean and now that i'm kind of in a few years of back in freelance independent consultant it's interesting because we're so obsessed with we need to tell the client all these all these recommendations, these lists and lists of recommendations. But I'm like, well, the first thing I do is I just go to the dev or the client and just understand their business and understand their tech stack. Write down a few notes, and I'm like, like like Core Vitals project, huge project, got it done because the dev was like, oh yeah, like we definitely need to do this, but I just don't have any business. Basically, no, been no business reason to get it done. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, I just because you want to move their React to a Next.js framework, which is just this really, and actually has Next.js framework has loads of really useful SEO stuff built in, like really useful stuff built in for SEO. And it's just taking that information and go, hey, Mr. Client, like here's this, this you know, Next.js framework, it's really useful. Um, <coughs> and it has loads of SEO and, you know, core vital reasons to do it. And it's just connecting, you know, it's connecting things to, the business reason of why to do it, not just because, hey, we need to do all this SEO stuff. And it's just things like that that I think working in-house has changed me because I never would have, pre would have thought, oh, we just we need to do all the, you know, Sitebulb and Content King and Lumar and Screaming Frog are telling us all these problems. But there's no, like, but the client and the dev are like, yeah, okay, cool, this is great information, very technical. Why do we need to do it? I don't, I've got this thing I need to do, but you're not really talking in the same language as me. So I'm, you know, I'm just going to ignore it. Um, <laughs> and it's, the, and it's, and it's that, that has, has really hit me, I think, with when you're working in-house or when you're working with clients, just, just stopping just before, like at, all, at the beginning or maybe halfway through or, you know, every so often, just sit down and just ask them, what's important to you? What are you working on? And can you just, Tell me why why you're doing all this. Why is it important, right? I did that in-house with every single department head and just sat down with the sales team, the customer services team, um, the dev. We just talked, we just talked a lot. And I just I could understand the context of the business and why we need to do certain things and why we didn't do certain things. And and it's still to this day, I think, an important part of weirdly that PM role. Is 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 communicate like devs devs dev, you know designers design SEOs SEO product people communicate. Do you know what I mean? And that's the the thing I think that that that's tweaked for me. Um, and that's yeah, that's why I think it's such a an interest. Like like you said, I think the la- over the last few years, 
I think SEO industry started to mature in the communication side. Yeah, yeah. But, pro- but product, but product, the product community has been doing this for decades. They've been try- they've been working with engineers for let's say like <coughs> 2001 when the Agile Manifesto appeared. Like they've been trying this stuff out for like two decades. So it's interesting that we're like, oh, well, like have to talk to devs, and I'm like, yeah, but pro- like these teams have been figuring this stuff out already. There's tons of frameworks and ideas and. You know, I you know that have been chopped and changed up and copied so many times in this industry. You just need to go and talk to this industry because, you know, they they've kind of trained it and they do it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's interesting that you're saying all of that because, from my experience, now I, I'm applying it. I'm getting a lot more done, but it has nothing to do with, I guess, SEO, like community. It's everything to do with looking at what else has been done in the past, other communities and. Yeah, listening, listening, to, listening to to teams when I when I start working with them, it does it does amazing things. I can't, I, I don't understand why it works so well, but it just it just seems to do. <laughs> just seems I to. I think we're totally guilty in the SEO community of just being in our own little bubble, our own little echo chamber of stuff. And like you said, this is a priority for us, but it might not necessarily be a priority for the developers or the world as a as a whole, or the business you're working for, or whatever it is. And we get in this kind of like, oh yeah, this meta description tiny pointless often you know changed regularly by google little thing is like suddenly the highest priority thing in the world to you but in the grand scheme of things does it matter probably not and does that dev care about changing this thing or this tiny little thing probably not (laughs) and and i think learning that prioritization is such a huge key that's something i've i've talked about a lot from like my personal development of learning to prioritize and you know working in agencies and having five, ten different clients and working out who's, who I've got to work on each day and all that kind of stuff. And even when it comes down to podcasting and, and working out, you know, who I'm going to have on which week and how I'm fitting time to edit and do this and do that and promote and all that kind of stuff. Like prioritization, I think, is such a key part of work as a whole, let, let alone SEO, let alone SEO PM work, that is such a key skill for everyone to pick up and learn and, and to understand how the overall company priority works right in terms of when you're in house or whether you're in an agency or whether you're you know in the product team in a company you're understanding where maybe your highest priority thing is actually like somewhere in the middle in the grand scheme of things and you've got to take everything with that context and understand where you're coming from where everyone else is coming from like you said sit down and just actually talk to people and try and understand where their priorities are like oh no there's a big thing we need to fix right now and I will not be able to help you with any of your stuff that you need for the next two weeks. So tough. <laughs> I know I've, I've well, had those conversations with devs before. <laughs> I mean, honestly, with some clients now, and, and, and I've, I mean, I really talked about this and when I touched her, but her podcast, other SEOPMs talk about this, but like a business is going in a direction, right? Like a big shit. Like the bigger the company, the bigger the shit, harder to turn. I think so. many people have talked about that uh, analogies of businesses. But like, I don't think SEOs necessarily can change the direction of the ship, but you can like make it go faster or you can improve how it runs and, you know, make sure that it, when you get there, you, 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 or maybe you get your destination faster because you're trying to, you know, drive revenue. Do you know what I mean? I think on lots, lots of times with clients, I like the clients go in a direction and I'm like, okay, strategically, like we can do a few things that SEO can definitely help you in that direction. Sometimes it's like you need to do PPC or you need to do you need like you want something really 
quick to happen and you don't have a lot of budget, SEO is not the right channel fit for this because this ain't, you know, this isn't renting, this is a mortgage. You know what I mean? You're, you're investing in the content over a long period of time and that's the payoff, not, I need it in like, I need it in two or three months. I know some SEO is something to tell you you can do it in two or three months. <laughs> but like I, like, I know that sometimes works, but just it, like my, in my experience, it isn't often, you know, the average, right? So I think, yeah, I, and I think, I mean, other other SEOs have said that they, you know, plug in their, and Aries talked about this, she just plugs in her SEO stuff with what the product team's working on. It's like, okay, working on facet navigation. Great. Well, that's a, that's a really important thing for SEO. You know, working on like category, you know, optimization of, of, of the different categories, making sure that they're right for customers. Cool. That's, that's you know, great for SEO. We can build out new categories. We can build subcategories out. Um, and again, I think, you as an SEOPM, you just need to be aware of the context and the direction that the company's going because it's hard, it's extremely hard to change people's minds, especially CEOs, because they have they have a lot more context than you do. And trying to argue against that, I found, is very difficult unless you have somebody high up backing you up, or you just have there's a there's an absolute gold nugget that they haven't thought of that you're like if you do like. If you change your domain and the brand and the CMS all at the same time, you know, you're going to have a bad time. Here's some case studies showing you. Like, that's happened like to me before. Th- three yeah. migrations at once, essentially, yeah. Yeah, effectively. <laughs> like, I've, seen, I've seen companies lose 100 grand a month just from doing this without testing it properly. So, you know, I don't think this direction is the right direction. Um, here's why. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think just when you're prioritizing things, just be aware of what's going on around you. Sometimes it's a lot easier than you think to prioritize SEO initiatives if you t- attach it to other projects. Because really, some technical SEO is just making sure they don't do things that, you know, buggers up the, the current rankings or, or, do you know what I mean? Or can unlock certain things. Um, so it's just, it, prioritization is it's continuous as well. <laughs> I talk about this in my newsletter, but... Um, I used to think prioritization was like high, medium, low in a in a in an Excel spreadsheet or in a Google sheet. You send it to the dev. This is high, medium, low. Okay, cool. Next month, you know, or next quarter or next six months. Here's the audit, high, medium, low. I know some large companies who like do an audit every twelve months with an agency and send it to the dev team. It never gets done. And I'm like, it's because prioritization is continuous, right? Yeah. Facts, information changes, right? And you you need to when you're an SUPM in the, in my podcast when I chat to us, you go like it changes all the time. You can tell because and they say like, yeah, my roadmap's maybe max three months. I have I, I have a vision of where I want to what I want to do, but the nitty gritty of that shipping changes because there are new things that pop up. People react a lot to what's happening because business teams have ideas. So prioritization is this continuous sequencing and changing of the order of what you're doing, both in the initiatives you're doing, in the tasks you've given them, and even in the like minute detail. Do you know what I mean? Of, of well, we're going to ship this template, but actually now we found that, you know, doing the internal linking module on the right is a lot bigger job than we thought. So we're actually going to prioritize this thing over that. You're like, okay, but that's really, you know, and it's just like trying to move around the jigsaw pieces to make sure they fit in the right order to get the, to, to get those bets that you want to make sure that they drive traffic and drive results. So it's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> it's tiring. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 
Um, and that's that's what I, I found as well is don't don't think prioritization is a skill, but it's, it is the skill of sequencing and ordering and being able to instantly go. If we do this, I know from experience, this is not gonna this is gonna have a massive impact on getting things done further down the line. So it is a it is a skill that it can definitely be learned, but it's not it's not playing with numbers in a spreadsheet. It's sitting down with teams and just understanding the context of what's happening and just making sure that you can sequence things in the way that it doesn't impact on the business in a, in a way in the long term. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So we've tackled on a couple of different things. We talked a few different skills, a few different topics there, but what does a day to day for an SEO like? In a typical day or even a typical week, like what is an SEO PM looking at? Is it always just sitting down and chatting with devs? Is it always trying to work out which tickets to prioritize and how it connects? Is it all of that at once? What, what's a day-to-day -day looking like? Okay, so I'll, I'll talk about maybe a week um, because it can, like, weeks, weeks can change depending on what's happening, but I'll just do a typical week. So usually your time is split between two activities, right? Uh, it's a careful balancing it. So, like part one is strategy and research insights. So you're you're constantly trying to understand like what it is you need to be working on in the future. So you need to be thinking to either talking to customers or doing research on effectively what we call like the next thing. Like because you have you have two tracks really. You have delivery track and you have a discovery track. Your discovery track you're doing like months before you need to deliver it but you need to validate the idea you need to understand it you know you need to write up what we call briefs so during maybe this say like monday to tuesday maybe part of wednesday you'll be li like listening to customer sales calls or talking to customers you'll be ideating on solutions but you'll also be writing up what we call product requirement documents so you'll be you'll be constantly i like i'm constantly writing right um all the time not only because it's it's good like writing is thinking it helps you think through problems because i have a set of questions or i'd ask myself when i start tackling these things but it also means you can send that to people you trust in your like internal business network lots of SEOPMs i've talked to do the same thing as me where we send briefs to our devs to our designers to people we work with to make sure that feasibly the idea is going to happen can actually be done Usability-wise, does, does the designer, I, I, like I roughly draw things in what is called like draw, just to get my idea down on paper to get it communicated. But you work with a designer to actually create something that can be implemented by the dev. Some organizations, you can't implement anything unless it's done by, like it's, unless it's designed. Unless, you can't, they won't build a, te like, build a template unless they have a design. So like, I don't have a design, I'm not building the template. Like, simple <laughs> as. Um, and so you're 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 constantly basically trying to make sure that your facts, information, your data is up to date. You have context of the business, and you're you're kind of ideating and thinking about what needs to be added or updated to your roadmap, or that is your strategy going in the right direction. Effectively, that's like part one. So it's like strategic work, really. Part two is. Probably like maybe fifty, hopefully forty percent of your time. You can actually get, you can actually trip yourself up if you're an SOPM if you work too much on the delivery shipping side, because you know the, the discovery and delivery tracks I just talked about. Well, if your discovery track runs out, so we have a delivery track. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you're 
you're... They feed into each other, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like this... It's like, yeah, it's like this thing. They both feed into each other. So doing delivery will, A, you're delivering the things that you've discovered, you've, you've identified that need to be done. You're breaking them down into these tickets and then you're making sure they're shipped. They meet the acceptance criteria. This is where maybe you start writing tickets maybe a couple of maybe a couple of weeks or a week before planning, like the actually sprint where they deliver the work. Um, I found this out at Deepcrawl. Lots of SUPMs have now talked to me about this as well and say they do it. You can't just turn up to a planning session <laughs> unless you've done the tickets. Because I used to be a, well, I used to manage the whole kind of for a squad, all of the tickets that got done, like it had to be greenlit by me. And basically, what you find is you don't want to be spending two hours in a planning session just discovering these ideas and just writing them down. Um, you need you, the, the PM product owner as they're called so it's a product owner role in scrum and if you don't know what that is basically they're responsible for the backlog they're responsible for making sure that the tickets are kind of up to date making sure the tickets are have the right acceptance criteria in them making sure that when they're given to the devs that the devs understand that you know we we agree with this what's in this ticket it can be done it's broken down into smaller chunks so some sprints i'm joking but welcome to pm <laughs> well um <laughs> Some sprints can be two weeks long on average. They're usually two weeks long. I've worked in one-week sprints. I've worked with clients who've done four-week sprints. Um, it, it can vary depending on the company, but the process is usually the same. We need to plan in what tickets need to be done. These tickets need to be agreed by everyone, and they need to be big enough to be done in the time slot of the, of the sprint. And then, like I said, you answer any questions. You... Um, review it at the end of the sprint as part of the delivery track, and then you make sure that it's QA'd. You know, some organizations have teams to do all this for you. Some don't. Mm -hmm. um, and by the way, if you're listening to this thinking, oh, I don't have the title on SOPM, but I sound like I do a lot of this. Like, I do believe that, remember, it's up to the organization to give you the title, right? I do believe that on lots of SEOs, if trained in the right way, could be SOPMs. Because what we do as SEOs, with the right mindset and with our right training, I think lots of SEOs could easily be PMs, to be honest. Um, because we, we do very similar things. It's just that SEOs are obsessed with, or have to be obsessed with Google, right? Or search engines. Um, so that's kind of, yeah. your job title is search engine optimization product manager, right? So uh, that's really the two, if you were to break down day to day or week to week, you do that's really the two areas it's like discovery track delivery track strategy thinking shipping um and your con your and that and that is like constant so like after this after this podcast like i am literally doing a ux session where we're sitting down we've got the designs ready for the client to review like small like a, and, and like every week we do this and we just he adds comments and other business People add comments because it's a for now this is an internal tool that that internal that, that business people look at. So they're the kind of the client, they're the user. And we're getting feedback on the design before it's shipped. Because we don't want to ship it and then have a ton of feedback to get it. You know, because we don't want we don't want to waste the devs' time because that's called rework and you want to reduce that as much as possible. Again, learn that in-house, learn that at deep role. Um, you need to <laughs> validate your ideas in stuff like Figma. So the designer will mm. use Figma for this, for this, right? And you will look at the designs. The dev will make sure that they can be done properly. 
and it, the clients will give their opinion on. Again, you don't you don't just take feedback and do it, but we take feedback and make sure that they can do a quick usability test that they can actually use the thing that we're going to build to solve the problem for this internal tool and this internal system. So, and you're yeah, getting feedback it, from it, a lot of different directions as well, right? Like you said, you've got the client, you've got the senior people, you've got the dev side of things as well. So that interconnected team side of things also ties into the discovery and research phase as well, right? Yeah, so every single person in the business will have a golden nugget in their head. Again, learn this in-house. <laughs> Hopefully, if, if you work well... in a good company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I appreciate um... your optimism, Adam, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, so people, I think also people try and build really complex things that don't solve people's problems. But if you're trying to build something that quickly solves a you know, salesperson or customer person's problem, internal tool, for example, like I am for now for, for this client, for this project, then like if it if they don't want to use it because it's overly complex or because we didn't do one thing right, or because we didn't understand their user flow enough, or do you know what I mean? Then it, it becomes a wasted waste waste of time, both for the client and, and for the dev and for me. So it it how to put this. Although there probably aren't everyone has a gold nugget in their head. It is important to understand their like why they don't want to use it, the pain points. Like, and you'll be you'll be surprised what information people have. They can walk in and tell you we, we can't do that because the client never gives us a PDF, or we can't do that because it's a great idea to upload a want to get someone to enter information into a system, but actually everyone just sends us an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, because they don't. They already have the information. They don't want to enter into a system, so you're going to need to basically upload it to the system and, and extract that information from it. Is the is the solution? That's actually happened um, through design and testing. So <laughs> it it you you like it, assumptions are just I found are everywhere. And talking to people, getting that context in the discovery tract is key to not building things that waste people's time and resource. Right, because um, there's nothing more annoying, or you know, like mo like d destroying morale and building something no one uses, and never tells you it's really bad. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, th I so. think that feedback process. Funny enough, I was talking with Mark about this a little while ago. How I was talking to my wife about SGE and Google Perspectives and stuff. She has no clue of the AI cert features that Google is going to roll out in the next year, two years, whatever it is. Like. She'd never heard the phrase SGE, never heard about Google Perspectives. And I was like, God, I cannot escape that phrase. If I go on Twitter, if I go on LinkedIn, it's nothing but AI and SGE and AI and SGE. And like I said, you end up in that little bubble, right? And I think that's totally true within a company as well. In your department, you can get in your own little bubble and see the like, oh, yeah, every SEO knows about this thing or my team knows all about this thing. But then the salespeople have a completely different perspective. They might not be as, as technically minded as you or the developer, but they will have a unique customer experience of like, oh, we got some feedback from a customer that said they never do this. And turns out none of our customers do that. You are totally right. I've had the same experience where you'll go and suggest a thing and the client will go like, well, none of our customers will ever do that ever. So that seems completely stupid. Like, why, if, why would you use a PDF if they always use Excel as being like a, a perfect example of like, no one uploads PDF, so why have we got that function? You spent 
a week building that function into the system or into the portal or whatever it is. It's been used literally never, because we can see this on the analytics, it's never been used. So why do we bother with that? And I think you're totally right, getting that feedback early and understanding not even just like context within the team, but context of what people actually use for that product. Get customer feedback and you get that through speaking to the sales team. This is a thing I think a lot of SEOs talk about, like the power of having a conversation with your sales team, whether that's you working in-house or talking with your clients and chatting to their sales team and product team and getting an idea of what are the customers actually doing with this thing? And you will find that people will break stuff you didn't know was breakable, try things you didn't know were possible, all kinds of stuff that you would, I, I know I'm, I'm totally guilty of this, living in a little bubble and be like, I would never have thought of that. I mean, we joked about this before we started recording, right? You, you said, oh, by the way, you pronounce my name Gent. And I was like, yeah, of course you do. What? How, how else would you pronounce the word Gent? And it's that kind of thing of like, I would never have thought of that in a million years. Like, yeah, of course. That, that kind of mindset, I think we're totally guilty of it in SEO, of having our own little like SEO, almost tinfoil hats on and being like, so attuned to that community and that world, we don't see the bigger picture of how customers are actually using the product or service that we're trying to sell to people. Yeah, in, in products, it's a big thing. Like I got trained, it's called Goo, it's this Goo basically get out of the building. Um, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because you, it, it's this, so the, 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 the idea is that like problem space versus the solution space. The problem space is where your customers live. It's where they're actually like working, living, pain points, goals, ambitions. And there's a solution space, which is where you sit in your office or sit at home and build things. And if you don't move across and understand that solution space, uh, that problem space with clients, understand who they are, what they're trying to solve, you know, when you build things and then you, you know, a bit confused why it's not working. Part of people are like, well, it's, it's, have you, do you talk to your customers a lot? And this is a, a huge thing in like SaaS businesses. Uh, it's a huge thing in, in products why you get like feature factories, which is where people just ship out these, these features, these solutions. You might see it a lot in a, in like, it doesn't solve any problems. I think that happens a lot in SaaS and software building. I think it happens a lot in, in, in SEO and websites. It's like, we're shipping all... I understand the client where you ship tons of content because they said an SEO agency told them to do it and had a huge spike in traffic. But this traffic was from like, you know, different parts of the world, mm -hmm. not the target market. So they got flooded with, you know, poor quality leads. The, the, the sales team wasted lots of time. You know, the, they were upset because quality of leads was low. You know, but... Your age, but your age graph is going up, so you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> SEO it's, job it's, done, graph go up, yeah. SEO job done, tick. And I'm like, <laughs> it's just so interesting when you sit and talk to the back end of the business, understand that like B2B sales pipeline or your e-commerce revenue coming from this traffic because that met, that mindset of trying to, of not just shipping things, like the feature factory mentality of just shipping out SEO things, it's like, cool, what are we strategically doing that's going to add up to winning for this type of audience to not solve their problems, but definitely the content should be helping them discover how the product, how the solution can solve that problem, right? Because I, I honestly think that a website and a product some, with most companies is hard to, it's hard to like remove the two from them. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like for e-commerce, 
like a bit B and Q. You talk about B and Q a lot in the podcast. I didn't know B and Q had a comparison feature. Right. So I was yeah. looking. I was dr- I was drilling some holes in my brick wall to 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 put my hose pipe. My wife keeps going on about it. Um, we did that the other and, day and as I was well. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was looking for those like wall anchors for the brick. And I was like, oh, there's like B and Q have a comparison feature that you can compare different like products to each other. That's cool. You can that. And I'm like, that is a good example. Like lots of SaaS companies do that. You can compare like two tools together and you can see the reviews, the features. How does that? Is it, is it G2? Maybe it's G2. Maybe it's... Anyway. Um, but, but John, you know I mean, it's like that experience that it's very hot. Like you are like when you buy from B and Q, most times you're buying from the website mm. and that, that product image, that product information, you know, description reviews, it's all part of that product. So for me, a website is a product. Sometimes when you're working as an SEOPM, you, you have to have that same mindset of I'm improving this product, this website to drive results in i call them solving impactful problems for both the customer and the business basically the customer likes what they see and they give the business money as they found them via google <laughs> do you know what i mean that's literally most businesses right? well, that's what we're all um, here for yeah <laughs> it's all here for more like yeah um so yeah it it that that mentality that out i call it output mentality where you just you're just you're doing core web vitals to drive rankings even though core web vitals Every case today I've looked at has never looked at rankings or traffic as an indicator of success. Yeah. It's an actual UX CRO project. Do you know what I mean? That's a good example why I really don't like Core Vitals being lumped in with SEO. Yeah. Because it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't, you know, doesn't, unless, unless you're really, really, really bad, it's not going to have the success you've assigned it to. Yeah. That um, was a, there yeah. was a quote, I think it was from Danny on the Search Off the Record podcast talking about Core Vitals. It was, him and John talking about it um, and saying how, like you said, unless your core web vitals and your page experience is absolutely in the toilet, it's not going to make a huge difference in terms of people getting to your site, rankings, all that kind of stuff. It's not a huge ranking factor. And I think you're talking about people can really hone in and focus on that. And then, yeah, from my experience, I think it's kind of maybe a tiebreaker at times. Like if you get too similar quality websites and one loads way faster than the other then that can be a tiebreaker for that site but that is a niche case like if if you're in the ballpark you're probably going to be fine and unless your site is barely crawling and barely loading at all then yeah yeah i think that's something we put a lot of weight on as seo and like you said really that's a urx and ux and cro thing that should be another team dealing with that and understanding how that works. And there's huge reasons for why SEO and CRO and UX should all work together. And that's where project management comes in, right? Like the product manager needs to come together and bring all this stuff together and say like, hey, CRO team, UX and designers, we all need to work on this thing together because as we said just now, at the end of the day, we're all here to make more money get more customers to build revenue and all that kind of stuff. We all have the same goal at the end of the day. So let's work together towards this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So there's a couple of things that I'd like to mention. So ownership, owning projects, like if you're a, if you are a, want to be a kind of PM or an SOPM, like you, you have to own the project. Like there isn't anybody to 
like if that thing needs to do it and no one else can do it, you might need to do it. You know, if uh, the project isn't going in the right direction, if somebody isn't pulling the weight, you know, you're going to have to have a conversation with them. Uh, you have to own conversations. You have to own project because the the success of the project falls on your shoulders. Um, whether you whether you like it or not, uh, in certain organizations that can you know be bad because you know teams aren't 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 doing what they should be doing. Uh, that's why you have to get at what I call the the ass log, where you have to have an action list and literally sit down with people. Have to do that. Sit down with people and be like, okay, director of whatever, have you done this, this, and this every <laughs> week? Um, have to do that before. Um, ownership is a big part of this role. Um, and every time I, on, when I talk to people on my podcast, you can tell that they naturally own their campaigns, own their projects, own, you know, working with their managers. They're very proactive, I guess is what I'm saying, in what they're doing. And so ownership is, is hard to like train, if I'm honest, but you can get better at it. It's just, you need to be aware that you need to be like really proactive, really like on top of it. Um, the other thing that I like to talk about is organizational skills. Um, you, you have to be very like organized, um, because you were jumping in and out of meetings. Like you zoom in and zoom out quite a lot. So like I said, there's two parts during the week. Like it isn't that clear cut, but I'm like zooming in and out of different things. Like, like I said, I'm doing UX testing, uh, after this, after this podcast, but then this afternoon. I'm like thinking more about the roadmap and then I have to start writing another PRD for another project next month that I have to start, I have to start thinking about so I can get my stuff together to, you know, approach the dev and the designer. Cause if I haven't got my stuff together, they're like, I can already, I already know from experience it's going to be muddy and, you know, <laughs> it's going to be muddy in terms of, of what the, the ideas that come out of it. Right. Because what I'm proposing isn't clear, and so you have to you have to think. I call it future, like future and current state thinking. So you you're constantly thinking about what's happening in three months' time because what you're working on now isn't necessary. Like yes, it's getting done, great, but to get to the next bit, to get people delivering in three months' time, I need to think about what's happening in three months' time now and get them all ready because it takes longer than you think to get things done. Always, always, yeah, I know. Always, right? If you work, if you worked in with a software company, or if you worked with a, a in-house and a client, or even if you worked at an agency, you probably notice that most things you recommend don't get done, and that's because the team is constantly juggling resources, juggling time, trying to say no to like ninety percent of things. So make sure that you're organized. Um, the other thing as well is roadmaps. So don't think as roadmaps as a gout chart of things that you want to get done in like, you know, in three months time, this is here is going to connect to this here, right? Think of things, think of it in terms of like a communication tool, tell people what you want to work on next. So I use something called now, next, later framework. It's very popular in products. I've never seen it talked about a lot in SEO unless I guess it's connected to my newsletter, but it's very simple structure it's literally now what you're working on the next one to two months next what you want to get ready to work on next in the next three to six months later 
ideas that you've, you've had, but aren't necessarily getting ready or have a lot of detail, right? And you focus on next and uh, now and next. So you're at, next is like, it's getting broken down into tickets. It's literally being shipped. Like we've gone through the discovery track. We've gone through all that. We know what we're doing. We just need to do it. Next is like the things I'm working on the discovery track. So they're the things that I'm trying to get done discovery-wise. And it's just this almost like a conveyor belt of like, okay, idea goes into next. The ones at the bottom are least priority, but we just work up that list. And then it goes to now, it goes to now, it goes to the bottom. The one at the top is the one we're working on right now are getting shipped and delivered. The one you know below that is the one we're working on. No, no more than maybe two or three initiatives or two or three things at a time in each column. Very simple, very clear cut. Deadlines are found if I if you try and tell people when things get done, it isn't necessarily like you want a deadline, a milestone, but you're like, we're gonna try and get it done by, you know, end of November, we're gonna try and get it done by this date. Um, that's the milestone, that's where we wanna, you know, and then you can communicate that you can work backwards with your devs to make sure you can actually achieve that. And again, that's something that I don't think is talked about, like at I learned that in-house very quickly because it's like you have until the end of Q1 to deliver this thing, Adam, right? You have no choice. I was like, okay. <laughs> and it's like, we have three months. And three months, if you have like two-week sprints, isn't a lot. Mm. Like, it's like, it's like, what, like six six sprints? For maths, right? If my maths is, if live maths yeah. is good. Um, cool. I'm not fucking live maths. <laughs> um... But like six sprints is nothing. Like, like you know, you've gone through three sprints in like it's you know because you have to get your stuff ready way before the sprints even started. So you know it. You need to think ahead. So you're having that roadmap just helps you and them understand right. So what can on next? And this is you know, and these are the milestones we're trying to get done. So in one to two months, the milestones three to six months, we should be able to get these things done. And it should, like I said. Rufus prioritization, you're constantly switching those things around in this now next later roadmap. You could use Trello, you could use Notion, you could use Asana, you could use... I've, I've literally have a, a, a slide deck that has these cards in with the problems we're solving that I just move around manually and I show that to the client. Mm-hmm. This is what we're working on. And then moving it around manually. doesn't need to be... Don't, don't make it complex because <laughs> hopefully you're already trying... Hopefully you already understand that it's already complex just by talking to people. You need simple mechanisms and simple frameworks to turn this like chaos of delivery into structure, into order, right? Um, yeah. So those, I guess, those are the things that I would kind of highlight right now. There's a lot more I could talk about, but I, I, I don't want to overwhelm everybody with <laughs> with information. Just this is why I, this is why I have the SEO Sprint newsletter because there's just so much. It's like mashing, smashing like SEO, engineering, and product into one. Yeah. It's, there's a lot to talk about, right? Well, if people want more, they can go to the SEOsprint.com, right? And they can go and get more exactly. from your podcast, from your course, from the newsletter itself, all there in one place. Uh, I'm active on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, you can go to the SEOsprint.com and find all that information there. So www.theseosprint.com, uh, weekly newsletter. I'm putting together a second series of uh, for a podcast um, where I talk to other, both SEOs and SEOPMs and how they work with product and engineering teams. I've got a, I've got an all-star cast for this series. 
um, which is going to be good. Can you, te- can you tease any names? Um, Martin Split. Oh, nice. Um, Paul Shapiro. Lovely. Jamie. Um, I can never say last name. The Jamie. Jamie. You know, Tech Master Jamie. Jamie you Indigo. The, the Jamie Indigo. That's it. I can't remember people's names. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is three fantastic guests right there. I'm 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 very yeah, dangerous. and that's and that's just a that's like got like ten people amazing. Book, so um, from all different kinds of walks of life, and I just. You know that little story I said at the start of this podcast, like, you know, a long time ago? I like talking to people about these stories, about how they got into it and what they've learned. Because I feel like that's something that isn't always talked about in podcasts with SEO because everyone's obsessed with, you know, SGE or people having updates or strategy. But I just I just like the lessons people have learned and the experiences they've had. So it's, it's, not, your, it's not your average podcast either. Right? I'm trying to, like, what we're doing now, have a conversation and and understand what, what they've learned so that other people can learn from it as well. Definitely, definitely. We'll go and check those out, folks. Links in the show notes for everything, including Adam's social media, the SEOsprint.com, all that good stuff. Nice and easy access in the show description for you. Thank you so much for joining me, Adam. It's been a lovely, lovely recording. Finally getting to sit down and chat with you. We briefly chatted before. We've had a couple of conversations, but it's actually nice to sit down for an hour and, and pick your brains about SEO PM stuff. Yeah, uh, it's been great to talk to you, Jack. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear the episode. Awesome. Thank you, Adam. Bye. And that wraps us up for this week's episode of Search with Candor. Thank you so much for joining me, Adam Gent. It was an absolute pleasure to catch up and finally sit down and Pick Adam's brain about all things product management. If you are interested in learning more about SEO PM, please do go and check out the SEOsprint.com or follow Adam on social media. Of course, the links for everything will be at search.withcanda.co.uk. You get the full transcript, you get the show notes, you get all the links there for you. I'll be back over the next couple of weeks with some fantastic new guests as well next week we will have dave ojeda on the show talking all about the state of schema in 2023 especially with the recent controversial updates with faq and how to schema dave is for my money one of the guys in the entire industry when it comes to structured data and schema so i was really really excited to talk to dave next week and catch up with him and pick his brains and also talk a little dungeons and dragons as well because i know dave is a big nerd like me So stay tuned for that next week. Until then, have a lovely week and thank you so much for listening.